Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Here, Jacob is pronouncing this blessing, this double portion, so to speak, onto his son, Joseph, and just saying, listen, man, and even by taking his sons, and, and the, that's not just one tribe for Joseph, what would have been one tribe for Joseph, this is like two tribes representing Joseph in that sense. But here you have between this, this dying man and his son, this conversation is just steeped in faith. It's faith. Have you ever thought about your last words? I know, it's a morbid thought. But if Christ doesn't return in your lifetime, you'll find yourself in that position, at death's door, leaving all you know and love on this earth behind. As Pastor James will point out in today's message, as Joseph knelt by his father Jacob in his final moments, Jacob demonstrated how essential trusting God was in his life. His last words were of faith that inspired Joseph, as well as all believers that would follow. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Genesis chapter 48 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. running together with the Lord, and things were good, and then something happened, and they went sideways. And you'd think, man, what happened? It's changed. Will I ever see them back again? Will we ever go into the house of the Lord together again, right? Like, will this be, is this possible? And I don't know. It doesn't look like it's a good thing. I I would encourage you, just like with Jacob here, um, number one, never give up on the Lord. Never give up on the Lord. You don't know what he can do. You don't know. It may look bleak right now, but you don't know what the Lord can do. Maybe he's working in the midst. Maybe he's working behind the scenes. Maybe he's working on that individual. Maybe there will be this reunion, so to speak, for you and for that individual. But also, let me be honest, maybe it won't happen. Maybe it won't happen. But that doesn't mean we give up on the Lord and think like, well, it's just, it's impossible. It probably will never happen to me, so I'm just going to give up all hope. No, we still hold on to hope because the Lord's still active, and he's, he's still moving, and he's still working. He's on mission in the lives of, 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 of everyone. So if you have somebody that's been near and dear to you, like between a Jacob and a Joseph, I would encourage you, just like what we see here with, J- with uh, Jacob, never give up. Continue to pray for that individual. The Lord knows, but continue to pray for that individual and that you might, you might get to experience the same kind of reunion that Jacob and Joseph had. It's a beautiful thing that we, we get to witness this thing, but here, here's this man, uh, Jacob, in his, in his dying day saying, man, I thought, it was, I thought I'd never see you again, but the Lord is so good. The Lord is so good. The Lord is so gracious. And again, I said this last week, Jacob's life, his testimony is a testimony of the grace of God. God is so gracious to me that not only do I get to see you, but I get to see your grandkids. Amazing. Again, Ephesians, above all that I can think or imagine, the Lord is that good. Verse 12, so Joseph brought them 
from beside his knees, there, here's this, this depiction here, beside his knees, and he bowed, he bowed down with his face to the earth. This is Joseph bowing down uh, with his face to the earth in front of his dad out of respect and reverence towards his father. This is Joseph, the same man who is still, even at this point in time, second in command of all of Egypt, of all of Egypt. He doesn't bow down to anybody. They bow down to him. Oh, no, not a man of God, not a humble man of God. He sees his dad. He recognizes this, that the Lord is obviously still working in his dad's life. And at the account of his dad and his dad's testimony of the grace of God, what Joseph does is it really is an act of worship in one sense, not worshiping his dad, but worshiping this great God that Joseph has been very intimately acquainted with throughout his entire life. We've seen that all the way, even from Potiphar's house into the prison and then being promoted in, in, uh, you know, in the Egyptian household as far as second in command. He knows, man, the Lord has been with me. The Lord has been with me every single step of the way. And Joseph has recognized that. He's given God praise for that. He's always acknowledged that. Now in the presence of his dad and hearing his dad's testimony of God's goodness and his grace, he's going to kind of, he's going to bow down. Out of respect for his dad, yes, but out of an act of worship and reverence towards God and his faithfulness. It's also connected with this whole adoption process as well. So don't, we, we don't want to miss that as well. But the, he is, he's giving, he's transferring his kids over to his dad. And this whole act is just transpiring. And, and again, just a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing that, that we, get to, we get to witness. I mean, it's so, this is what's so amazing about the Bible. Yes, it records some of the flaws of these characters, that's nice. That's encouraging for me because I have flaws as well. But it also gives us little windows into um, just these beautiful moments of worship and humility. It's pretty awesome. So as Joseph bowed down uh, with his face to the ground, verse 13, Joseph took them both, uh, Ephraim with his right hand towards uh, Israel's left hand, right? So Ephraim's over here. And so Joseph's like, okay, you go stand by grandpa's left hand. Okay, and Manasseh, you're the older, so you go stand by Grandpa's right hand because the right hand is, is significant of power and authority. And so the older, it's got to be by, because he needs the right hand placed on him. And Ephraim, you're younger, you're still important, you still matter, but you get the left hand. So that's just how it has to be situated. Joseph understands how this works. But what's about to happen shouldn't surprise Joseph, nor should it surprise any of us, okay? Because we may have an idea of how things should go, but God has his own plans. So you may be banking on like, well, my life, I'm planning out my life. I got a five-year plan. I got a 10-year plan. I got a 15, 20-year plan. I got it all laid out. And God's like, well, that's cute. That's awesome. However, I think it should go like this. And then you're like, ah, uh, no. If you're anything like me, you're like, oh, wait, this isn't in my calendar. This isn't like, no, Lord, this isn't, I don't. Oh, I like change. I'm not going to lie. I like to change. You'll know sometimes the chairs are set up differently and all that stuff. It's because I change things up all the time. I enjoy change. Um, if you're like my wife, she hates change. She can't stand change. And why God put us together to, uh, well, to help both of us grow, <laughs> to grow and to learn from each other. Uh, but here, so Joseph is, he's setting his sons up to receive their blessing based on their age. So Ephraim towards Israel's left hand, Manasseh with his, uh, towards the right hand, and brought them near. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, 
who was younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head. So he does this thing. He can't see, essentially. Maybe because they're closer, he can identify them. We don't know. But he's not really trusting on his own understanding. Or another way to say that, he's not leaning on his own understanding. He's trusting in the Lord. He says, boom, this kid gets the right hand, and this kid gets the left hand. The right hand on the younger, the left hand on, on the older guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has what fed me all my life, all my life long, to this day he has shepherded me, basically, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, who's redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be upon them. And let, my, let the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it, deplete, it did, displeased him, and he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph's like, oh, whoa, 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 hold on, dad, hold on. No, 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 you got it. No, this, this one's supposed to go over here, right? He, he kind of wakes up to this, this reality of like what has happened as this blessing is being pronounced. Uh, he really is blessing Joseph, but he's blessing these boys as well as he's taking them on as his own. And again, recounting how good and faithful God has been to him his entire life. And when it says it displeased him, it does, don't take that as like Joseph became angry. That's not what he's saying. He, he just noticed like, oh, this, there's a mistake. There's a mistake. We got to correct this mistake. He says, is that not so, my father? For this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son. I know. Essentially, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And again, this really shouldn't come as a surprise to Joseph because the very thing happened to his own dad. His, his dad, Jacob, was technically the younger between him and Esau, and the blessing was going to go to him. We see this as a, as a common theme throughout the scriptures. David, being the youngest son of all his family, was made king of Israel. Why? Why not the oldest in his family? Well, because God looks at the heart of man. God knows what he's doing. So it may not make any sense in our brains. We think, it. no, it's got to go like this. Because this is the way we do things, and this is just how it's always been, and how it will always be. And, and God shows up and says, well, eh, not always. What if I want to do it like this? Then we would be wise to take a step back and kind of be like Joseph and say, okay, I'll, I'll remove my hands from the situation. And I'll say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Which would be the smartest thing you've ever said in your life. Lord, I trust you. Yes, okay? The smartest thing you ever, the hardest thing to live out, but the smartest thing to say. Trust the Lord. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Jacob is telling his son Joseph, he's like, I know, I, it's backwards, I know, but it's going to be okay. Just trust me as I'm trusting the Lord. He goes on to say, Jacob to his son Joseph, uh, concerning Manasseh, he also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. And you see that played out. Read through the rest of the Old Testament, and you'll see that the two different tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, Ephraim was going to be a major player in the northern kingdom. It's going to be far greater in, in numbers and all that stuff than Manasseh, what Manasseh would be. But it doesn't mean that Manasseh wasn't important. 
okay? This type of thing doesn't play too well within our culture nowadays. It's like, you know, one's going to be greater than the other. We like to say, well, we're all going to be great. You're all going to be great. You know, I got, some, uh, I got some awards for everybody. It's like, this kind of thing doesn't play that well today, but this is reality. This is reality. And, and this is something that we should be, in one sense, good with. Now, it doesn't, my flesh, especially, you know, especially within the church world, this, this stuff can be kind of like tricky, okay? Because especially if you're a pastor and you're looking over and you're like, well, this pastor over here has got like hundreds of people and a big, all the stuff. And you're constantly bombarded with these messages. And as if that's like, well, he's got this greater blessing, all that stuff. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. See, in God's kingdom, uh, he gets to do whatever he wants, he establishes the rules, and his economics are totally different than our economics, right? So he may be using somebody else in a tremendous way and all that stuff. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about you or that you're less than that person. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. He maybe sees that this individual is suited for that work, and maybe you are not. Maybe you're more suited for this work over here. See, we sometimes get in, caught up in these things where it's like, man, it's, you know, it's the numbers and it's, uh, you know, it's the books that, that get written and get sold and, and it's all, it, no, 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 that doesn't, no. All ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? That's what Billy Graham used to say. All ground is level at the foot of the cross. Maybe God is using this organization or this person or church in a tremendous way. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing. We, we mourn and weep with those who are weeping. It, it's just, it should be, we, well, we needed this thing in our DNA of like celebrating Jesus and the work that he's doing. Maybe it's a big thing over here. Maybe this one person has led an individual to the Lord. That's worth celebrating. Maybe this guy stood on a stage and 20,000 people went forward to receive the Lord. That's as equal as the one person. They're both worth celebrating. Maybe a book will never be written about this person, but in heaven, it matters. It all matters. Maybe for the faithful person who just keeps showing up and cleaning the restroom. You know what? The Lord takes note of those things because it's the heart and all that stuff. So here, it's between Ephraim and Manasseh. One's going to be greater than it. One is going to be used in a, in a tremendous way, and the other one's going to be used as well, but the Lord's, just going to, the Lord's got different plans for different people, okay? And so all praise needs to go to the Lord for when he works through individuals to whatever scale that looks like. But that's a hard thing to shake, right? That competition thing, that's hard in individuals. It, it, that's a hard thing. It's hard, it's hard not to compare, honestly. It just is. But I would just encourage all of us, continually just go before the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What do you have for me today? And be obedient to him, trust in him, and just understand that, man, I want everything that I do to be for the glory of the Lord and for him to just use it, and however he wants to, however he wants to. So there's the distinction between the two. Ephraim, Ephraim's going to be a great nation. Uh, one, of the, one of the tribes that, again, like I said, in that northern kingdom and all that, it's going to be big time up there. Manasseh, not so much though. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. I'm sorry, verse 20. He also blessed him that day saying, 
by you Israel will bless, saying, may God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And it's even something that they still would say today, to this very day. Verse 21, then Israel said to Joseph, behold, I am dying, but God will be with you. God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Here again, he's, this is a proclamation of faith by Jacob to his son, Joseph. I'm dying, but God is going to be with you and he's going to bring you back to the land of your fathers. Verse 22, moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took from the, from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. All right, so he's got this Again, uh, just a special blessing for his son, Joseph, a double portion. And and really, in one sense, this is kind of Jacob saying, um, I'm counting you as my oldest son. It's kind of what's happening. It's transpiring there. He's going to give Joseph the double portion. And that even is going to transpire when the tribes get divided out, because there's no tribe of Joseph, per se. There's going to be a tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh. And so you start doing the math, and you're like, well, even with that, that makes 13. Well, you need to understand, you read through the Bible, you're going to see that the tribes are, are always listed in various ways. I think up to 20 different variations of how they're listed. In Revelation, the tribe of Dan is left out. Uh, oftentimes, uh, throughout the Old Testament, the tribe of Levi is, is excluded from the list. There are 12 tribes that are there. We know that 12 uh, is a significant number. Uh, speaking of government, you're also going to have 12 apostles, uh, 12 gates, and all, I mean, just 12 is, is pretty predominant throughout the word of God. But here Jacob is pronouncing this blessing, this double portion, so to speak, onto his son Joseph and just saying, listen, man, and even by taking his sons, and, and the, that's not just one tribe for Joseph, what would have been one tribe for Joseph, this is like two tribes representing Joseph in that sense. But here you have between this, this dying man and his son this conversation is just steeped in faith. It's faith. We know that last words matter to a certain extent. We've heard some last words of, of individuals and they're just like nonsensical or they're maybe individuals. There's been individuals who have, you know, despised God and on their, di- on their deathbed have cursing God until they die. And it's like, what a shame. What a shame. Then there's others who have gone out in just a blaze of glory, so to speak. Their last words are just glorifying to God. And um, many accounts of that, uh, again, uh, I've spoken about this guy uh, many times. I probably continue, will continue to do so. But uh, I remember hearing from Britt Merrick when his daughter Daisy Love was dying of cancer. And one of the last things she had said to as him and his wife Kate are there in bed with her, she's passing away, little girl. I think she was nine years old at the time. Um, one of the last things that she had said was, uh, I think it was, oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful seeing like what was to come in Jesus and what awaited her. And, and what, a, what a beautiful like those last words. The last words of a saint, a dying saint, can be just tremendously effective and powerful and beautiful. And these aren't Jacob's last words, because you have all of chapter 49, where he's going he's gonna, to you know, tell his sons of like, hey, here's what's going to happen to you guys. But it's his last words of faith, expressing faith to his son Joseph, saying, man, God is good. Listen, you're here in Egypt right now, but this is not where you belong. This is not our home. This is not our home. God will rescue us from this place and bring us back to the place where we do belong. He will, and they don't know this is going to happen 400 years down the road. 
But Jacob knows it's going to happen, and he communicates that to his son because even Joseph is going to say in his dying day, don't leave me here. This is not my home. Take me back with you guys when, I, when, when God delivers you or takes you out of Egypt and back into the promised land. See, what he gathered from his father, he passed on to, to his family as well. And that's a good encouragement for all of us. To whatever overlap you have with individuals, um, I, I would say this. If you make it a habit, just make it a habit of talking about the faithfulness of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God and make that just a, a part of what you do, your vernacular. That's, this is how you talk and this is how, not fake or anything like that, but just an act of like, man, God is so good. God is so good. Share that with your kids. Share that with your family members. Share that with your family. They may not receive it, but share with them how good God is all the way until the end. Now, listen, you, may, you might be in a place where Jacob is like, you identify with Jacob and you're like, man, listen, the ups and downs, yes, I'm currently in the, at the bottom. That's not a bad place to be. It's not a bad place to be because you can go, always go up. The Lord can deliver you, bring you out of that. But I, I would encourage you, just looking at the life of Jacob all the way to the end, yeah, I made a bunch of poor decisions, and he acted more like Jacob than Israel, oftentimes throughout his entire life. But in the end, he's praising God, and he's testifying of God's faithfulness in his life. His son, his son who already knows the Lord and already knows that God is faithful, is going to catch that message and make it his own and retell that same thing to his family as he's going to pass on. That's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. May your conversations be sprinkled with what? Grace, you know, truth and great grace and truth. And man, testify, tell of how good he is and the things he's done for you. If you don't know where to start, well, you can start with this thing that we celebrated today of how he gave, so willingly gave himself up, gave his body, gave his blood for you and for the person you're talking to. What a great thing. If you don't know where to start, start there. Start there. But God has been gracious. He has been faithful within our lives. And I would hope and pray that even for myself to pass on that message to my kids and for my kids to pass that, if, if, if God wills, if he leaves us on this earth for this long, that my kids would carry on that message of God is good. He is gracious. He is faithful. He is faithful. Even when we're faithless, he is faithful. And just to be able to pass on that testimony and to share that. And Jacob will have some words to say for his sons. We'll cover this next week as we go through chapter 49. They're not all good things. You know, there's, there's something to be said about these last words. Joseph really gets this special thing of like this intimate time between him and his dad. And there was a, there was a relationship that was there. And it wasn't always healthy because there was an, er an attitude of favoritism that was happening there, and maybe a little spoiledness on Joseph's part when he was younger. But Jacob's going to have some words for his other sons. They're not all good things. They're not all good things. They're just not. It's just, but it's truth. But it's truth. But he's going to lay it out for his sons of like, here's what you guys can expect to happen as the Lord continues to work through this family. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken heart.
The beginning of the world has been a hotly contested topic for some time now, and the debate has caused many to dig deeper into their origin. The simplest answer is often the one that's correct. Our world and everything in it was molded and placed in its orbit by a supreme being, God. The account of this beginning and the first people to walk the earth is recorded for us in the pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. God's authority over nature and humankind has been evident from the start. He simply spoke and all took shape. God formed people to inhabit this beautiful planet, to care for it and for each other. Pastor James Grizzle has been taking the time to share God's plan for life from the pages of Genesis. And we hope you'll tune in again to continue the story. If you missed any part of today's message on Bread for the Broken, don't worry. You can find it now on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Listen through all of Pastor James' teachings that we've made available there, and feel free to share them with any friends or family you think would find it helpful. That website again is breadforthebroken.com. We're so glad you chose to spend time with us today, and we want you to know that we're keeping you in our prayers every time we produce another edition of this program. Each edition of Bread for the Broken is made with our listeners in mind. And we want to make sure our Creator is the first one we're all turning to. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Bread for the Broken. It's our prayer that every listener finds hope and new life in Jesus.